as well. Uh, this is for the church at large. I think this is a perspective we're going to look at this morning that we all, we all desperately need, especially as Christians in America today. So we're going to be taking a pause from the happiness series that Pastor Keith is leading us through and, and look at this verse today. Um, as I said, the men have been hearing that God is king. And they have, they have sought to seek the king and to see him on a throne. For them to step off their thrones. And to respond to God by obedience. To respond to God by saying no to sin. And seeking to be delivered from sin. And to await his return. And I think this text this morning. Um, what, I, what I think it will do for us here. and Especially for the, the wives here who have the men coming home will deposit into us a sense of urgency to come alongside the men, to come alongside one another in here and labor for what truly matters, to help them apply all that they're hearing, to help them live in the good of all that they're hearing. And, and if you were unable to attend the conference as a man, I know that you had many legitimate reasons to be here this morning and not away with us in Alexandria. I would encourage you to get that content. Let this message inspire you to get that content and listen to it and live with a sense of urgency. Live out that content and apply it to your lives. So that's my aim for us this morning. Um, I think that's how these words will help us, but we'll get to the big idea in a little bit. Let's read these, let's read these verses together and pray and get going. Verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. Join me in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for these words. Lord, these words are alive. They're active. They're breathed out by you. They accomplish your purposes in our lives. And and that's what we want to happen this morning, Lord. Lord, we're here because of you. To you belong all glory and dominion forever and ever. We want to we acknowledge that with our lives and live in the good of that, Lord. We want your word to accomplish things, to work and to do things, to have an effect on our souls and our hearts this morning, to make us leave here with deeper affections for you, a, a, a deeper resolve to live for you, to obey you and walk with you. So Lord, help us. May your word return to you having done its work in our hearts. Lord, give me strength to preach now, to serve your people. 
Lord, help us to see you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. How many of you in here are familiar with the name Steve Jobs? Most of us know who that is, right? Steve Jobs, back in the 1970s, along with another friend of his, began a company called Apple Computers. And Steve Jobs, from the very beginning, before a computer was ever created, had a vision to change the world through these computers. He didn't have a product yet. He just had a vision, and he was passionate about it. He was passionate about Apple. And he knew that if this thing was going to go and take off how he wanted it to go, that he needed a CEO kind of guy. He needed a president, somebody to come in and give some chief executive direction to his company. So he approached a man by the name of John Scully. John Scully at the time was president and CEO of Pepsi Bottling Company. John Scully was president of a company he was making lots of money with, had lots of power in, was doing just fine. Steve Jobs said, John, I want you to leave Pepsi Bottling Company. I want you to come be president and CEO of Apple. I don't have a computer yet. I just got this dream. Scully said, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. I would have to forfeit all this fortune all this prestige, all this power, walk away from all of that to come be a part of something that doesn't even really exist yet. So as he was walking away from Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs looked at him and said, John, you can either go on with your life selling sugar water or you can come change the world. And at that, Scully left Pepsi Bottling Company and went to work with Apple. I tell that story because I think as Christians, um, our vocations in life, whatever you do, is a very sacred and holy thing. And I think God calls us to these vocations. So I'm not, I'm not talking about what you do as your job specifically. I'm talking about as Christians, how you live your life for the Lord. I think we all desire, as men and women who belong to Jesus, to make much of Jesus with our lives, don't we? I think we all desire to invest our lives in something that really matters. Something that makes Jesus look great. And in a world distracting us with trivial pursuits, I think we need to know what's really worth living for. I think we need to know what's really worth dying for. What's really worth giving our talent to, our treasure to, and our time to. We need to know what matters. We need to know if there's a higher purpose for which we ought to be living our lives. I think we want to do that as Christians. So an opening question, just to get us going this morning. Are, are you doing that? Are you, are you living your life for what truly matters? Are you, are you loving your spouse sacrificially? 
even when it's hard? Are you, are you holding out to others the beauty and majesty of Jesus Christ and a mission that's bigger than anything we could ever hope to live for? I see some, some students here from Tulane this morning. I love you guys with the bridge. It's, it's, it's hard to, to walk onto a dark campus and live your life for Jesus Christ there. Moms, it's, it's hard on some days to faithfully love our children and transfer the gospel to them. These are things that matter. Are you, are you living your life for what truly matters? Men, do you have a purpose in your life that you can live and die for? I think your spouse... Your spouse needs you to have this. Your spouse needs you to honor God in your life. Your children need you to love the Lord and to love them. Our society needs you to tell them about our great God and where hope is and where truth is. And listen, if we're going to be men and women who do this. If we're going to be men and women who live like there's really no tomorrow for the glory of God, if we're going to do what God calls us to do, then I think we need to be men and women who are eternally minded. Who think eternally. Who consider eternity. Men and women who continually direct our thoughts and desires towards the day we will be with God. Forever. And we have that day inform every 60 second interval that we're alive and, and have breath to breathe in. Inform us to live for the glory of God. That's Peter's big idea in verse 7a. And I think it's, it's ours this morning to live eternally, think eternally. Look with me at verse 7a. The end of all things. The end of all things is at hand. The end here Peter is referencing is is Christ's return. And and what he means here by saying that the end of all things is at hand is he's not some cult leader predicting the day and hour when Christ will return. That's not what Peter's doing here. What Peter is doing here saying the end, Christ's return, is imminent. Like, like it's about to happen. It's upon us. The next step in God's plan of redemption is the return of Christ. Soon the curtain will fall and Jesus will come back. And what Peter wants us to see, church, is that we, we're on the edge of eternity. We're on the edge of eternity. Very soon we will be with the Lord, whether it be through our death or whether it be by his return. Wayne Grudem writes, and I've got your notes, what Peter means when he says the end of all things is a hand is that 
All the major events of redemptive history have taken place. And now all things are ready for Christ to return and rule. Creation, the fall, the calling of Abraham, the exodus from Egypt, the kingdom of Israel, the exile in Babylon, and the return from the exile, the birth of Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit have all actually occurred. They've all happened. Thus, Christ could return at any moment and usher in the end of the age. It could happen today. It could happen at any moment. Peter's, Peter's not necessarily expecting Christ re- to return in a certain week or a certain day, a certain month. Instead, he's saying it can, it can happen right now. It's imminent. It's at hand. The end is at hand, and we are on the edge of eternity. Therefore, do what? Sit around. Stare up in the sky. Wait. No. That's not what Peter says to do. Rather, we must, we must maximize our usefulness for God's kingdom. We must, we must labor to do the work of the Lord. We must live for what truly matters in this life. We must live with a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency to spend and be spent proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, as Peter writes in chapter 2. That's what we are to be about in these verses, Peter, Peter wants to help us gain God's eternal perspective. It's, it's a basic Christian concept, but it's one we need to hear often and be reminded of often. In fact, I think we need it just as much today as Peter's audience needed it when they received his letter. You guys remember who Peter, Peter's audience is, right? Who he's writing to? Chapter 1, verse 1 says Peter is writing to the elect exiles of the dispersion. In other words, he's writing to Christian men and women who have been scattered abroad, who've had to flee their homes due to persecution. And so they've gone all throughout the known world seeking to escape. And Peter's writing this letter to them to say to them, have hope, live for the Lord. This will all be over soon. You're on the edge of eternity. Make your life count for Jesus Christ. Make your marriage count. Make what you do for a living count. Make how you serve count. For Jesus Christ. Peter wants them to give themselves to God entirely. And specifically in these verses we're looking at today. He's encouraging that since the end of all things is at hand. Hardship will not go on forever. But soon it will all be over. Therefore maximize your usefulness for God's kingdom. Make the most of your life here and now. And our circumstances are different. Right? We're, we're, not, we're not the same audience, in a sense, that Peter's writing to. Nobody's coming to you and saying, deny Jesus or die. We're not hearing that, right? Not yet. But these verses very much apply to us. I think 
We're in danger just as much as they are, but in a different way. Their lives are in danger. They could be killed. I think in the world we live in today, our souls are in danger of drifting away from what really matters. And so I've, I've kind of made up a word to describe what that is. I guess you can do that with the English language, right? You can make up words. So I'll tell you the word, then I'll describe what it is. You got to stick with me. So persecution says, deny Jesus or you will die. We're not experiencing that. But I think we're experiencing this. I think we're experiencing, this is the word, pampercution. You know what pampercution says? Get comfort or ease, or you're going to die. Do what's easy. Do what's comfortable to you in this life, or you're going to die. You know, Pampercution doesn't say, hey, deny Jesus or you're going to die. But it says this, it's cool if you follow Jesus. Whatever you want to do, follow Jesus, whatever it is, you can do that, but only do it in a way that's comfortable and that's easy for you to do. You know, there's people in your life at church that aren't like you, but we're called to love and serve and care for, pray for. Avoid them. That's hard. I mean, when life's hard at home, escape. Don't, don't bring the gospel to bear on that. I think we're being coddled to death in a lot of ways. And I think it has... Some bad effects on our soul. I think it's, it's the air we breathe as well. So when, when something's the air we breathe, it's hard to know if we're really experiencing this reality. So here's some ways I think we can measure if, if pampercution's happening in our lives. Have you lost sight of what really matters? Have you lost sight of what really matters? Do you have, do you have a purpose that you wake up for and say... That's what matters. That's what I'm giving my life to. It's about God's glory. Have you lost sight of that? Um, Have you begun to take serious things unseriously? And instead, take unserious things very seriously. Television shows. Fashion. Festivals. Politics, sports, hobbies, those aren't bad things. But have you begun to take those more serious than the Lord Jesus and what he commands you to do? Have you begun to invest your life into those things and not into the things of the Lord? Have you stopped working hard at growing your relationship with God? It's hard work. Have you stopped? Stopped pursuing him? 
It's not like you're actively seeking to avoid church or avoid reading your Bible. It's just kind of you. It just doesn't happen. It didn't happen today. You didn't prioritize it. So you go days without reading his word. And soon you're watching stuff you shouldn't be watching. You're saying stuff you shouldn't be saying. You're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. You're finding yourself in places you shouldn't be finding yourself. Has this, has this onslaught of ideas that life is all about you and your comfort and ease gotten into you like that? It's, it's, it's a battle. I know every one of us have experienced this to some degree. We could all say, yeah, I know I could. Have you lost your nerve to witness to others because you know you're really not backing it up with the life that you're living? Have you begun to isolate yourself from the Lord's people? Have you begun to stop loving your spouse in a sacrificial way? Following your husband in a way that honors the Lord. Pampercution, the idea that we must get comfort and ease or else you're going to die. it, It lulls us to sleep spiritually. It numbs our souls to the things that truly matter in life. And causes us to lose desire to do hard things for the glory of God. Listen, praying effectively, church, is hard work. Loving others sacrificially is hard work. Serving others selflessly is hard work. Doing what you're called to do by our king is hard work. It doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come easy to us. But listen, it is glorious. It is world-changing. Coming to church and worshiping with God's people is radically beautiful and glorious and worth laying your life down for. Maximizing your usefulness to advance God's purposes, to advance God's kingdom in your home, in this city, and throughout the world is worth dying for. It's worth living with a sense of urgency for It's worth saying no to comfort and ease. And yes to what God calls us to do. It's worth saying no to sin and killing that sin. And if we're to do this, we must be men and women who think eternally. It's it's step one. It's step one. If we skip this step... We miss out. It's, it would be like me telling you, go fly a kite, but don't have a string. You got no direction. Or drive across the country with a quarter of a tank of gas. You're going to run out of gas. And you're not going to get far. Or here's a hundred piece kitchen playset to put together and the directions aren't that great. Not that I've had to do that before. but You get frustrated. You just want to stop. So we need, we need to think eternally. Be eternally minded people. 
And Peter knows this. That's why he begins verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. He knows this. When we begin to lose sight of eternity, we begin to lose sight of what really matters. And when we begin to lose sight of what really matters, then eventually we end up giving our lives to selling sugar water. Spiritually speaking. It's not doing what counts. Along with the other pastors, guys, we have a burden for you to think eternally. Listen, we have a burden to see you when you stand face to face with Jesus. And we have a burden to hear him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, Good and faithful husband. Well done, good and faithful daddy. Well done, good and faithful wife. Mom, well done. Your life was short, but you made it count. We got a burden. We want to celebrate that reality on that day. We have a burden for you, to, for you to run this race in such a way as to win the prize. All right? We don't want you in, we don't want you in uh, cruise control. All right? We want you, like, in NASCAR. You know the difference, right? Cruise control, let me just get up to a certain speed. What's everybody else doing? Okay, they're going, they're going 75. Let me get up to 75. Cruise God has, God has such, such a greater purpose for you than that. No, we want you at the Grand Prix. You're racing to win. You're racing to win. You're waking up every day. And you're living for the Lord Jesus. We want, you to, we want you to learn to, how to bow your knee, to come under his persuasion of his rule and reign, to, to bow your heart, to bow your knee to him now and, and not just on that day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We want you to receive rewards for faithful service to him. And we want to watch you lay those crowns back down at his feet and say, all, you, Lord Jesus, you are the one who's worthy of honor and praise and all glory and dominion belong to you forever and ever and ever. It's a privilege to serve you. Who am I to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords? Who am I to be given a life to live for Jesus Christ? We want to see you right here and now. Know that the joys and pleasures of heaven that you're going to one day have are totally worth you doing everything you can to maximize your usefulness for the glory of God and the good of his people. One day, you're going to know the joys and pleasures of heaven. And you're going to say, whatever I did for the Lord in my brief time here, Worth it. Totally worth it. We're all, nobody's going to disagree about that. We're all going to be, yeah, yeah, it was totally worth it. Absolutely. Everything you did, that was absolutely worth it. We're all going to be saying, oh, shall we have done more? 
Look at all those breaths I took. I wish I would have done more. Let's do that now. Let's live with that in view now. We need, we need an eternal perspective, church. The end of all things really, really is at hand. Christ really is seated at the right hand of God. And there's really only one thing left for him to do. And that's to return for you. For us. Therefore, Paul says in Colossians 3. Set your minds on things above. Not on things that are here on earth. You've died. And your life, in reality, it's hidden with Christ. And listen, when Christ appears, when he returns, you will appear with him. In glory, total perfection will be yours when Christ appears. Therefore, let's, let's live our lives here and now for God's kingdom and not our own kingdoms here on earth. James says our life is like a mist. It's misty. Other, other versions of the Bible say it's a vapor. It's vaporous. You're just here for a little while and then you vanish. Listen, guys, when you vanish, I want you to do so as one whose brief stay here honored the king and helped his people. John tells us in 1 John that the world and everything in it, all the earthly desires, all the power, all its prestige, all its fame and all its fortune is fading away. It doesn't last. Therefore, it it doesn't have value. It's, It's fading away. If you want a visual of this, simply visit a graveyard or visit a junkyard. We're... We're on the edge of eternity. That's where we are. Let's not forget that. Therefore, we must live for what lasts and what really matters. On on your notes, you'll see a line I drew on the second page. You see that there? Uh, This line represents eternity, all right? One side, you got eternity past. The other side, you got eternity future. It's been going on forever and ever and ever, and it will continue going on forever and ever and ever. Let's say the average, the average lifespan of, of human life is, let's just say it's 80 years. How would you represent that 80 years on that line? If that's millions and millions and trillions and trillions of years, how would you represent 80 years on that line? It'd be a little, little dot, right? A little boop. That's what it is. Our life here will be nothing more than a dot. So why in the world, as Christ's people, would we live for that dot? Rather, while here, We should be living for that line. That's what matters. We should be doing everything we can here and now to live for the line. 
have eternal perspectives. I want us to invest our lives in that and not, don't invest your life in this dot. C.S. Lewis said this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. We see our Christian heroes, right? Those who did most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. They got it. They realized, yep, life's a vapor here. I'm here for the glory and honor and praise of Jesus Christ. Every breath I have is for him. He's given me gifts to serve his people. He's given me talents to make much of him with. He's given me He's given me finances. He's given me treasures to use to show just how valuable he is. He's given me a family to love, to lay my life down for, to lead even when it's hard, to love even when it's hard, in the good times and the bad times to be there faithfully for, to make much of him. He's given me a job to have integrity with and have diligence with. So that when others ask, say, this is about Jesus, this isn't about my employer, what others think of me, I'm doing all this for the praise and honor of Jesus Christ. They write thousands of books. They serve God's people in sacrificial, huge ways. Many of you guys do that, and I want to commend you for that. But listen, I want you to hear, keep going. Listen, don't go cruise control style. It's a race. Outdo one another in showing love. Here's an illustration for you. Suppose, suppose us in this room right here, we, we just all come to the conclusion right now that it's no longer worth living in the United States. Some of you might already be there. Um, let's just say it's, it's, not, it's not worth living here anymore. We all take a vote. We're going to Peru. It's going to be six months till we get there. We're leaving here. We're going there. What are you going to do with the, those next six months? While you're here waiting to go? You going to build a life for yourself here? You going to live for here? No. You're going to be getting things together. You're going to be getting ready. You're going to be doing whatever you need to do here to prepare you for when you get there. And you're going to be preparing other people for that as well. You're going to learn that language. You're going to learn that language. You're going to learn the people. You're going to learn the culture. You're going to learn the values. You're going to live by them. I believe God is being kind to us by inviting us into living in the good of an eternal perspective this morning. I believe he wants us to consider him and how he's done this for us. Consider this, our eternal God, who's always, always existed, forever, and he's existed outside of time. He 
stepped into time. And he became part of our history. And while he was here, he lived a sinless, righteous, God-honoring, kingdom-advancing life on our behalf. And he did that so our sins would be blotted out. He stopped breathing while hanging on a tree that he created. So that we could live our lives for what really matters. So that we could find our happiness in him. And find our joy in him. And have eternal life. So that we would not face an eternity of pain and darkness. And the most terrifying form of separation we can ever imagine. And after he died, three days passed. And the one whose breath brought the universe into existence breathed again. He walked out of the tomb. He hung out with his friends. He ate some food. And he gave him a mission to go and die for. He gave him a purpose to lay their lives down for. And it's, it's the same with us. We're to pick up where he left off for us. And to make our lives about advancing God's purposes through every area of our lives. For, for imaging him and his glory. Making his glory be seen all over the world, starting in our own hearts, in our homes. God, Tim Keller says, quote in your notes, made you to love him supremely, but he lost you. He returned to get you back, but it took the cross to do it. He absorbed your darkness So that one day, one day, and it's at hand, you can finally and dazzlingly become your true self and take your seat at the eternal feast. That's where we're headed. Soon, we'll be there. We don't know when that'll be. It could be his return or it could be like for Peter. Dying for the sake of Jesus' name. Could, don't know when we're going to walk off the edge of eternity. Either way, it's, it's a vaporous life that we're living here. And we only have one shot to make the most of it. And I want us to make the best use of our time for the glory of God. And to help these men coming back. These men have a plan. They've got a purpose. They've got desires to honor God. I know we all do. Let's help one another. Let's be godly examples. Let's be men and women who think eternally. I want to close with this poem by a missionary. His name was C.T. Studd. And uh, John Piper made the little title of this poem famous in his book, Don't Waste Your Life. Um, I never knew it was actually a longer poem until recently, so I wanted to share it with us. Should have it on the screen for us to read. We have that back there. It's called Only One Life Twill Soon Be Passed. 
It goes like this. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. Yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in His will. Only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. And when this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life and it will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. Enjoy Or sorrow thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife. Pleasing thee in my daily life. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. And from the world now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone. Bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, church. Yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, it's worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And he ends with this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only one life. And only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. Let's pray. All glory and honor belong to you, Lord Jesus. That's what's real. Lord, and I thank you for your word this morning just to help us, Father, to gain a perspective of what we need to see is true about life here. Father, we, we don't want to miss out on the best you have in store for us here. Lord, when we stand before you, we want to look back We want to say it was worth it. 
I laid my life down for, for the Lord Jesus and his purposes here. I didn't, I didn't live for myself, my own pleasure. I wasn't self-seeking. Lord, I was, I was seeking your glory and your honor. Well, Father, help us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the way that they have done that. Lord, help us to keep going. Let us not be distracted, God. Lord, give us vision. Help us see. Help us see you. Fix our happiness as we're learning. Lord, fix our gaze. Give us eternal perspective, Lord. We want to live for you, Lord Jesus. You are the king. And you are worth it. We praise you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Stand up.